Amen. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the theme of Abraham, the pioneer of faith. Abraham, we're told in Galatians 3.6, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yep, we've heard, haven't we, that Abraham, Abraham had moments when his belief in, and trust in God wasn't quite what it should have been. And we've seen the attempts that he made to sort things out on his own without trusting God's promise to him. We come now to Genesis 21 and the long-awaited birth of Isaac with all the promise that that birth brought. And we're going to look at it under three headings. Thankfulness, consequences and salvation. So firstly, thankfulness. Imagine this scene. James, aged 35, had been away on a men's weekend. And while away, he realizes that he's never told his father he loves him. So he decides when he gets home, he'll do it. He gets home, picks up the phone, and calls Dad. Indeed, Dad answers the phone. Hi, Dad, it's me. Oh, uh, um, uh, hi, son. I'll get your mother. No, 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 not, don't get mum. It's you I want to talk to. There's a pause. And then, why? Do you need money? No, Dad, I've just been remembering a lot about you, Dad, and the things you did for me, working all those years to put me through college, supporting, my, supporting us. And my life's going well now, and it's because of what you did to get me started. I just thought about it and I realized I'd never really said thanks. Silence on the end of the other end of the phone. The son continues. I just want to say thank you and that I love you. Son, you've been drinking. <laughs> and now to Genesis 21 and the birth of Isaac. So long promised. That promise was now fulfilled. Is it any wonder that Sarah laughed with joy and thankfulness? When Alan was talking to the children, we were looking at that verse from our passage where Sarah gives thanks for her long-awaited child. And in verse 6 says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added... Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I've borne him a son in his old age? She's thankful, and with good reason. And it's thought she was 90 years old. The last time she's recorded as laughing is when the angels came to visit in chapter 18 and promised that Sarah would indeed have a son in her old age. She overheard that promise to Abraham, and you'll remember she laughed inside her tent at how ridiculous that would be, and was then chastised for doing so. Well, she's not laughing sarcastically now, she's laughing for real. So we were thinking earlier with the children about whether we are thankful to the Lord for the circumstances in our own lives. Clearly for safe arrival of children and grandchildren, 
But what about other things? Someone in our house group expressed amazement and thankfulness when she received an anonymous gift of money through the door. It was a lifesaver at the time. Gary and Julia Wellborn are responsible, as you know, for this region's work with Samaritan's Purse, uh, the shoe boxes, and has asked for prayer because the necessary industrial unit was bogged down in paperwork. <coughs> Excuse me. And they needed it up and running by last Monday. Gary was telling me that the keys came through on the Monday and for the volunteers to work on, uh, on the boxes, he need, then needed trestle tables immediately, which Tony Swanee had agreed to supply. Given the lateness, they were needed straight away, and Gary was about to ring Tony, only to receive a text saying he was on his way. Gary was telling me how full of thankfulness and praise to God for going before and meeting the need. When Jesus uh, 2000 was being thought about in 1997, there was a meeting in Warsaw with some key church leaders. And after I had shared the vision of all Warsaw churches joining together for this millennium project, it was agreed that the best way to get to ministers uh, uh, and to hear the vision was give them a meal. You know, meals are always good. So I was set to task to organize it, but an elder of Willenhall Christian Fellowship came to me and said, I needed to talk to his fellow elder. When I did so, I was amazed to hear that way before Jesus 2000 meeting, the Lord had told this guy to book lunch in a hotel, to bless ministers in Warsaw, and that he had not only done that, but he'd pay the deposit. He saw that this was in preparedness for just what was now being planned. We were both so encouraged. God had gone before and prepared the way. It's so easy when these coincidences happen to put them down to just that. When we should be giving praise to God for these God incidences. His love and his grace shown to us in our everyday lives. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And James 5 says, Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Let's put these biblical commands into practice in this coming week. So, we begin Genesis 21 with great thankfulness. However, as we read on, we realize that because Abraham and Sarah had earlier taken matters into their own hands and not trusted God as they should, there are consequences. And we're going to look at those now. As far as Abraham was concerned, the promise that God had made to him had been fulfilled. However, there was this one fly in the ointment the small matter of Hagar and her son. At the age of three, it was the custom to have a feast of rejoicing over a child for transition from infancy to childhood. And such festive occasions can be 
great fun, but can't they turn sour sometimes in any family? And with Isaac being the centre of attention, Ishmael, about this time about 14, saw Isaac as a fair game for a bit of teasing. I think Sarah's tiger mum instincts came to the fore as she sees her beloved son being mocked by Ishmael and she tells Abraham to get rid of him and his mother. Hagar is dealt with so harshly through no fault of her own. Rather, Abraham's lapse through lack of faith has led to her unjust treatment. Which of us has suffered unreasonably for matters that were out of our control. We are victims of bullying at work. Or maybe our child has been at school. Our character is assassinated by an aggrieved friend, colleague or even a church member. We lose our job because of someone else's failure. A friend accuses us of sharing a secret when we have in fact kept confidence. We work our socks off and are told it's not enough or even of being lazy. How easy it is for us to become angry and bitter or fail to forgive and to take it out on others, usually those nearest and dearest. Colossians 3.14 says, bear against each other sorry, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you and over all these virtues, put on love. In this case, we're told Sarah's outburst distresses Abraham greatly and he shares this with God. Another great example to us when distressing and upsetting things happen in our lives, let's take it to God, just like Abraham. But God tells Abraham that it's all right. Don't worry. Do what Sarah says, for he will look after both Isaac and Ishmael. This love and care for both children of Abraham is so encouraging. Why? Well, Ishmael was born because Abraham and Sarah decided to find their own way of having children when she was barren. They had been promised that Abraham would found a great nation and have multiple descendants, but they were struggling to have one child, let alone multiple. So they came up with their own plan for Abraham to have children through uh, Sarah's slave girl, Hagar. They had worked out their own solution and had not trusted God. Yet here, God does not reject Ishmael, the consequences of a lack of trust. God cares for him. And that's so encouraging. Who here has not made mistakes in our walk with God because we've gone our own way and not trusted him? Sometimes there are permanent results of that sin maybe children, as just as in this case. Maybe other consequences which impact on other people. So whilst we may have taken a wrong turn in our lives, we can know that if we turn back to God, he is there for us. He promises never to abandon us. 
There's a saying, if you feel far away from God, guess who's moved? Abraham, in his distress for his son Ishmael, moves back to God and finds him as full of love as ever. So next morning, Hagar and Ishmael are sent into the desert with provisions. God has given assurance, but Abraham will know better than us of the dangers that could befall them. He had to trust God's word. I was talking this week with someone who had got to that time in their lives when the child is leaving home and they've been anxious as to how the child would get on in the dangers of our society. It's hard sometimes to trust our children to the big wide world, isn't it? Some years ago, a friend and I were praying together about the anxieties we both had for our now grown-up children. And we felt God say very clearly to us, take your hands off your children so that I can put mine on them. Sometimes we try to seek our very human solutions to our children's problems rather than trust God and let him work out his will in their lives. Our part is to prayerfully release our children and our other issues into God's care as Abraham had to release Ishmael and trust God's provision for his son. For Hagar, now stranded in the desert, the water eventually runs out and she leaves Ishmael under a bush because she can't bear to hear his cries anymore and doesn't want to watch him die. We read that God himself hears the cry of Ishmael and speaks to Hagar and shows her a well nearby where they can drink. Hagar may have been a slave girl, but now she's meeting with and hearing from God, not through her mistress, but directly. As so often happens, the tough times lead to Hagar going deeper with God. We'd all like a life free of trouble, wouldn't we? But in scripture and in our own experience, our troubles can lead us to hold on to God more closely and follow him more nearly. We've already looked at the need to be thankful when good things happen. And here is a reason to trust God, to thank him, even when tough things are happening. And to trust him, even in the consequences of our own failings. So we've looked at thankfulness and consequences. And we come now to our third point, And it's a biggie. Salvation. In our second reading in Luke 2, 29 to 32, we read of another time of celebration. This time for the birth of a child Mary and Joseph brought uh, Jesus to the temple following the command of Exodus 3 when in recognition of the life-giving power of God, every firstborn male was dedicated to the Lord. There they meet Simeon, who was renowned in Jerusalem for being, as you heard, prayerful, righteous, and devout. God had promised him that he would not die before he had seen, as it says in verse 26, the Lord's Christ. In other words, the Messiah, the long-promised Saviour, Simeon saw this commonplace couple with their poor sacrifice, they could only afford the minimum sacrifice required in law, 
and he took that child in his arms. And as he did so, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and recognized that the promise he had been given was fulfilled. Simeon then says the wonderful words of what is known as the Nunc Dimittis from Luke. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Simeon had recognized God's salvation manifest in this baby. Salvation, moreover, that is for all humankind. So what do we understand by salvation? When we were in Bulgaria uh, just a few weeks ago, we met many of the children and young people that we've known over the years since we first went in in 1999. And we've visited them year on year since. When we first met them, many were in very sparse, understaffed orphanages, very like those we saw on our TV screens in Romania. Many of those children were actually not orphans, but had been abandoned because of a disability or because their parents couldn't feed them. Over the years, as EU funding has gone in, their circumstances have improved. The appalling orphanages are gradually being closed and the care of these youngsters is now in smaller, um, more purpose-built homes. For these children, salvation has come through the EU. It is, however, an incomplete salvation in that they still have very little in the way of food and material goods, and certainly very little emotional or spiritual input. In general, the Old Testament salvation is seen as being achieved through a specific person and for a specific um, purpose. This limited salvation, therefore, was Joseph's rise to fame in Egypt which preserves the lives of his entire family. And then after 430 years in Egypt, an entire people is delivered through Moses. And to Abraham, through the birth of Isaac, is the promise that an entire nation will develop that will continue forever. Above all is the affirmation that none but God can save. On our last day of our time in Bulgaria, we visited a home which cares for some 20 or so children with often varying degrees of disability, some of these extremely severe. We sang simple songs with them and helped them with some craft activities and played parachute games. Before we left, one of the team felt that we should prayerfully sing over the children and their carers. And we sang The Splendour of the King, which we're going to sing shortly. Suddenly, It was as if God was in the room with us. We were so aware of the Holy Spirit being present. It was an awareness that transcended the language barrier. It seemed to overtake the carers and the children too. Truly God's presence 
was there in that small, out-of-the-way place. The New Testament continues the Old, Old Testament affirmation that salvation belongs to God alone. But it's more specific. Salvation is no longer to be perceived as limited to time, person, and place, but is for all people and only through Jesus. As it says in Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. Isaac came from a fallible father for a specific time and a limited purpose. Jesus came from a perfect heavenly father for a specific purpose, salvation for all people, all time. Praise God. In Isaac's birth, we saw a promise fulfilled that brought laughter and thankfulness. In the birth of Jesus, we saw the promise fulfilled, salvation. Salvation that was planned from the beginning by God. Salvation that is for all people, not just the chosen few. Salvation that overcomes death itself. Salvation that is by grace. We can't earn it. It's God's gift to us. Salvation that brings righteousness that causes us to be adopted as God's children. Salvation that means we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. That is the promise fulfilled. That is what is freely available to every one of us. Lord, um, we prayed before the service that we would hear God speak to each of us. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that salvation, a word so common to us, to some of us. But Lord, we want to thank you again. Thank you again for what Jesus has done. Thank you for what Jesus did so many years ago impacts us today, right now. We can be free. Our sins can be forgiven. And Lord, as we come to our communion time, we pray, Father, that we may have joy in our hearts, thankfulness in our hearts. Lord, we may offer up to you stuff which, was, uh, which have been consequences in our life and that we need to uh, lift before you again. We pray that we may come to and kneel before you or stand before you, Lord, and accept the bread and the wine as a sign of what Jesus has done for us personally and for us as a body in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for the splendor of the King. <laughs>